Wednesday, February 28, 2018. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. And Chet, your Philadelphia Flyers were in sole position of first place in the Metropolitan Division this week. The Sixers are still playing good ball and in the playoff hunt, even though they've lost two in a row. Those Eagles are still Super Bowl 52 champions, and there's a lot of positive coming out of Clearwater for the Phillies. High hopes everywhere. Bill, when I think of the Philly sports scene these days, this song comes to mind. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You know it. I do know it. I do know it. Hey, and we've got a busy show in front of us tonight. We've got two great guests, including Sixers play-by-play man, Mark Zumoff. So let's get rolling and welcome our first guest making his first visit to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, the Philly's minor league prospect guru, Steve Potter. Welcome, Steve. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey, Steve, this is Chet. Thanks so much for joining us. You know, Bill and I love talking Phillies baseball every February, March, and April, and we're hopeful that we'll again soon still be talking about the team in September. So we'll see if you'll be able to tell us if that'll be this year, next year, or what. Anyway, you are obviously a lifelong Phillies fan. How did you decide, Steve, to write these books the last couple of years, The Fans View, The Phillies Minor League Digest? Well, it's actually my third book, but uh, these in particular – since the Phillies uh, are deep in the midst of their rebuild, last year I decided that uh, it would be a good pursuit to to look at what's 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 in the minor leagues and the players we have coming, how things work. So last year we embarked on an annual digest of the Phillies minor leagues from the Dominican Summer League all the way up to the AAA level, um, and this year was a second edition of that. We want to do this as an annual thing. I, I collaborate with a few other writers and photographers to put this together um and it's something we just want to keep going uh you know progressively um because we i'm a i'm a believer that the minor league system the phillies have now is one that's very deep and will extend for many years yeah and i just finished up uh the book today real nice job with it the second one as you pointed out right on the back cover of the book 14 prospects made their major league debut with the phils last season which I guess is a good thing in terms of the near future and generally the potential of these young guys, right? Yes, sir. And, and there's more to come is that the, those 14 are, are the obviously upper level guys, but uh, it's a deep system. Uh, we've got kids that at the low, low A level, which uh, some would argue are our more talented group of prospects. So um, I think it's a, it's a chain that uh, is going to continually keep going and, and, push talent up to the big leagues and, and breed competition. Well, Steve, let's talk about some of the individual players. But before we, we talk about the guys that are in the minors now, let's talk about the one that made the big splash last year, Reese Hoskins. Was there, was there any way to predict what happened there? It was almost like magic. And, and second, can we expect uh, that to continue, or does there have to be a pretty significant tail off to what he did there in last season? Well, I, I don't, I don't know that we could, should expect him to continue at that pace. Um, and there's only a few that, that that have that kind of capability. He, he's always been a talented uh, young man. Uh, we saw him a few years back, right after he was drafted um, in minor league spring training. Charlie Manuel describes his hands as some of the quickest he's ever seen, and so there's not a, any fastball the kid can't turn on. So I think he's going to be. He is a legitimate talent. 
and I think he's capable of being an all-star as far as a hitter. Um, I don't know how far he'll drop off, but I think he's a 35, 40 home run guy and, and a guy that can hit you 285, 290 um, because of his uh, selection at the plate and the way he, the way he approaches uh, his at-bats. Boy, I tell you, if he can hit hit for that kind of average with the power he's got, that's going to be something special to watch. Well, what about that J.P. Crawford? Uh, it looks like we're, we're turning over the keys to him to play shortstop. And Freddie Galvis obviously was a fantastic defensive player. Um, what can we expect out of J.P.? Oh, my, my wife is listening, and Freddie Galvis is her favorite player. So she, she, she's, not, <laughs> she's not so happy with this move. But uh, obviously they, they have a lot invested in J.P. Um, he has an all-around skill set. He's probably – uh, pretty, well, he definitely projects better offensively than than Freddie did. Uh, he's a very patient hitter at the plate. Sometimes his swing gets a little long, um, and we'll probably see some slumps out of him. Uh, he will not hurt you at shortstop. He, he's he's not at the caliber of a Gold Glove as Freddie grew into just yet. Um, but he's a legitimate everyday player. Uh, they're bringing him along slowly here. He hasn't made a lot of plate appearance so far in the spring. They played six games, only batted five times. So. So I, th- I think uh, the skipper is uh, letting him sow his oats, so to speak, in, in his first camp uh, as the starter. Steve, I'm really intrigued by catcher Jorge Alfaro. I'm assuming he'll get the bulk of the starts behind the plate. I know he's got good power, but he still needs work in terms of, I guess, calling the game and maybe some defensive work. Uh, do you agree with that? Yeah, he, uh, Jorge, uh, his hands aren't as, aren't as soft as you would like catchers to be. Um, he also... Uh, has struggles with um, blocking and, and, and uh, setting up and, and framing and things of that sort. They worked um, uh, specifically on that with all the catchers, but with, with Jorge in particular, even bringing in umpires into the bullpen sessions here in spring training. When guys are throwing their sides, they have a, a, an umpire behind them, and that's more to work with the catchers than it is the pitchers. Um, Jorge offensively, is going to be fine. It's the defense you have to worry about a little bit. Um, his arm, he's got a rocket for, for an arm. You don't have to worry about that. Um, it, it's growing into that other part of the game, receiving and uh, calling pitches and things of that sort. Uh, I think he'll get there. He's a hard worker. He's, he's always out there early and late. So um, I, I think he'll get there, but work in progress right now. Interesting. Steve Scott Kingry, uh, another guy that made a big splash last year, made a great deal of improvement. Didn't uh, doesn't look like he's going to get an opportunity to make this team at this point as they uh, sign Cesar Hernandez again. Um, how do you see Kingry's future? Does he need a good year at AAA to to be able to be the starting second baseman in the following year? Well, my humble opinion, Scott Kingry's ready right now. Uh, I. I, I talked with Joe Jordan a little bit um, last year about him. We corresponded back and forth, and he said Scott Kingery, when he's on the field, is the best player on the field. That, that's how he feels about him. Uh, he's he's. They're not going to probably bring him up on the big league roster till uh, mid-May to to get the extra year of contract, you know, out of, out of him. He knows that. Mm-hmm. Um, they moved him around. I think what you may see is when they bring him up, if Cesar still, is still here, which he projects to be, is Kingery will move around a little bit. They, they've uh, 
played him at short and third base already. There's talk about putting him out in the outfield a little bit, uh, which he did in college. I've even seen him take throws at first base down here on the half field. So uh, I, I think they're even in Lehigh when he goes down there. I don't know that he's going to play every every game at second base. I think they're going to move him around to get his bat up here. And I, I will definitely see him in the big leagues in 2018. Steve, unless the Phillies make a move for a Jake Arrieta, the pitching staff, the rotation looks like Aaron Nola and then a whole bunch of question marks. Now I'm going to let you mention some of the other many candidates. How is the rotation going to look though beyond Nola? And you know, which of the guys beyond Nola have the biggest upside? Well, uh, I, I think Velasquez is, uh, he, he had a rough outing today and in in, in up, up at Dunedin. Um, but he has he has big big upside. You, know, you you can't teach a kid throw 95 to 97. He has that. Um, sometimes he just gets a, a little bit ahead of himself and is his own worst enemy. Uh, but I think he'll be in the rotation still. Uh, Jared Eikhoff, uh seems to be locked into the rotation. Uh, so those those three at the at the top, and then you go into you know the, the sort of the question marks. But the kid I really like is uh, Zach Eflin. Uh, his knees are uh, almost back to normal. He had double knee surgery last year, lost a lot of weight. He's put on 20 pounds of muscle this year. First time out, um, he threw 95-96, which was a, a real good indication that he's got his strength back. He's been down here since mid-January working. Um, I see Eflin, when, I, when I've watched him pitch in times past in the minors, he's got as big a repertoire as anybody uh, in this system as far as pitches. And, and capability, I, I, I think that he could make a push. Um, you've got Ben Lively, who's a bulldog out there. All he does is win, is how I describe him. He, he doesn't overpower you with anything, but he, he's a smart pitcher, and, and he, he's not afraid to back guys off the plate. So those, those are probably the guys in the running. Uh, Tom Elshelman is, is, is a non-roster invite, uh, superb strike thrower, makeups like Lively. But uh, he'll probably go back to Lehigh to start, although he threw really well the other day. Uh, and if he keeps throwing like that, he might force their hand. And, of course, Mark Leiter. Uh, Mark Leiter just goes out there today. He had two innings at 5Ks. He just goes and gets the job done. So I think he's the swing man initially. Uh, those seem to be the guys in the mix for the big league roster, uh, at least at this point. Interesting. Did you mention, well, by the way, Nick Pavetta? I'm sorry, I forgot Nick Pavetta. How, how can I forget Nick Pavetta? Yeah, uh, yeah I wanted to see he, if he was still in the mix. No, I'm sorry, I'm the, I forgot our Canadian friend. Yeah, Nick's also <laughs> a big arm guy. So, so yeah, he. I, I think he's projected in the in the top four. They they really they they preach into him to throw like Justin Verlander as far as uh, approach and throw the ball up because he has such a, a hard fastball that rises. Um, Guy hit around a little bit uh, the other day in Dunedin trying to do that, but uh, he's definitely again. I, I saw the MLB story today. They project him as a, one of the five potential breakout stars for 2018. Uh, wow! He 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 has a, a, a major league arm. Uh, the secondary pitches uh, he, he throws a nasty slider, but sometimes he just struggles getting on top of it. So so he's definitely in the mix and, and probably goes north. Hey, Steve, well, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that if you're going to win a pennant, you're going to be really good, which uh, we're probably a little bit away from that. But to do it, you have to have a quality left-handed starter. And in trying to do a little bit of homework to, to get ready for this show, I'm looking at some lists, and I don't see one 
anywhere in the high minors in this organization. Who's the best lefty with a chance to be uh, in the rotation? Well, Cole Irvin's in camp. He, he He's a kid out of uh, Oregon. Um, I, I I described him as uh, Jamie Moyer with a better fastball. Very, very smart pitcher. Throws a, a one-seam changeup, which I've never heard anybody do. I had him show me how he does that, and I, I threw it straight into the ground. Um, he, he's got some potential to be a big league starter. The kid that I really like uh, from the left side uh, is Jojo Romero. He was at Clearwater last year. Uh, he should bump up uh, to Reading at some point this year. He may have to start at Clearwater to begin the year. Uh, but he has he's a lefty with, with upside uh, as far as the upper levels. We've got a slew of them in the minor in the lower levels that uh, big arms, but uh, they're probably three, four years away. Well, speaking of big arms, we got to talk about Sixto Sanchez. He's just 19. I know that, but you have some glowing reports about him in your book, Steve. You call him a crown jewel, top-rated arm in the system. The ball jumps out of his hands. You say, uh, tell us more about this uh, young Sixto Sanchez. The kid's just filthy. I mean, he, he just he just. Uh, it, it, it's it's just a pleasure to watch him throw. I mean, he, he's he, we, uh, my friend Jim Payton, who who works with me on on the books. He writes for Future Phillies. We, we were just we were talking about him uh, about a week or so ago, and when he first started pitching, was a shortstop. Is that how they discovered? He was very uh, he, he 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 put a lot of effort into his into pitching. He, he came out like like he was uh, jumping at the plate. They've smoothed him out. Got him to use his legs more. Didn't lose any velocity, and the ball just jumps. I mean, I mean, this this kid. To tell you how good he is, or how 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 good he he projects to be, he he's a low level minor leaguer. Scott Boris is his agent now. I mean, so so, you know, mm. he doesn't make makes make mistakes on on many. Um, he's he's legitimate. I mean, he's only 19, and he just he throws 98, 99 easy like it's nothing, and 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 he's got breaking stuff that's above average already. I, I'm real excited about him. If, if, if I was GM of this club, nobody, he's my one uh, 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 untouchable on the pitching side for sure. I, I would not move Sixto Sanchez anywhere. Um, and I think he's going to be here in probably the way he's going. I, I could see him here in two years in Philadelphia. Wow. Wow. Good. Hey, Steve, Mickey Moniak, a lot of people a little bit disappointed in his first two years in the minor leagues, but he's just 19. He hasn't even developed yet. Um, You you certainly way too early to give up on him. What's your take with him? Yeah, I I agree with you. I I think uh, we get a little bit ahead of ourselves on the number one pick. He he is a kid. Um, He's bigger this year. I saw him the other day and welcomed him back. Uh, Shoulders are broader. He's been hitting the weight room. Uh, I just think he ran out of gas last year, uh, and that's why he struggled uh, from the middle of the season to the end. Um, they'll probably push him back to Lakewood to at least start. Uh, he's got a big league bat. I mean, it, it, you can see it even in batting practice early down there. His quicker swing. He's got a pretty swing from the left side. There, there's no question in my mind why they picked him number one. I think he's, you know, that image that they projected him to be the, in the Kristen Yelich mold. He's every bit of that, but it's going to take time. He, he, he's not a kid. He's not Bryce Harper. going to play in the major leagues at 20 years old. That's not going to happen, but, uh, you know, give him a couple, three years and see what we got. And I, I do believe he's a major leaguer. 
And Steve, what's going on with that Roman Quinn? He's going to be 25 in May. He's certainly got potential. He's got speed, but he can't seem to stay healthy. Uh, what's going on with Roman? Well, he, uh, that's, that's, that's what's holding him back. I mean, uh, I, it's it's a mystery of life, so to speak. I mean, he, he just he just gets all these injuries that and, and out of the blue type injury injuries that you just wouldn't expect. Kid's got a ton of talent. Uh, I, I think he's got a real shot making the club out of spring training as as an outfielder. As a they have him taking some ground balls at shortstop just for versatility. If he can stay healthy, he gives them the dimension they don't have because he's just pure speed. I mean, he. he he, he can, he's a guy copy come in and steal base for you. Um, hopefully, he just stay, they, he can stay healthy. He's just he, does, he doesn't have an ounce of body fat on him. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe I should take him out to get some cheeseburgers or whatever. But you know, uh, <laughs> fatten him up a little bit. <laughs> hey Steve, I have one other guy I was going to throw out at you and see if he if he's the odd man out in this picture, and that's that Dylan Cousins. Um, you know, nope. his numbers yeah. all dropped down. Uh, from from 2016, but boy, he's got some power. And but there's an awful lot of outfielders that are young on this ball in in his organization right now. Yeah, Dylan's still 23, so you know he, he's he's not uh, long in the tooth. But he has struggled, and he's struggling again down here in the spring. Um, I think he struck out seven times already in 11 at bats. Uh, ton of talent. I mean, I mean, he just got a lot. He, you can you can watch him and you can see the talent. Whether he it's it's a it's a big year for him. He's got to put it together this year. Um, he'll definitely start in Lehigh. Um, they've been working with Charlie Manuel's taking him under his wing specifically. So Dylan's another kid that's been here since early January working every day, and we've been over watching him. But and him and Charlie have have bonded and they talk hitting every day and. Um, Sometimes it just doesn't stick, and he gets, you know, in a mix-up, as Charlie would say. Uh, so, got a lot of talent. It's just this is a this is a big year. It's a make-or-break year, I think, for for Dylan as far as the Phillies organization. He's got a, a a whole lot of future ahead of him that he can still work this out. But as far as being a starter, this this is the this is the year he's got to come up big big uh, big time. Well, Steve, we're almost out of time already. I, I can't believe that. I want to mention to everybody the book is called A Fan's View, the second annual Phillies Minor League Digest by Steve Potter. And one thing I like about it, Steve, I'm not a big reader, so I like the fact that there were a lot of pictures in the book. Uh, my favorite one, maybe, <laughs> one of J.P. Crawford and Scott Kingery celebrating a play in the field, jumping up, bumping hips, both with big smiles on their faces. So that was one great photo. There were several others, and uh, all in all, a real good job with it. I liked it. Thank you. Uh, yeah, we had good photographers, Cheryl Purcell, Mark Wiley, and uh, Gail Dahl took, took the majority of the pictures. Uh, I did, uh, when I gave Coach Ernie with a, a copy, I told him about the pictures, and he, he sarcastically said, you know, I can read. You know, so, so there, there, there is, there is, there is a, uh, you know, the, the narrative in there as well, but the pictures are excellent. Yep, they are. Well, you see. Steve, can you give us uh, some information where where the listeners can get that book and uh, what it costs and so forth? Sure, um, it's for sale at Citizens Bank Park in, in the in the in the team store. It's also for sale in all the minor league affiliated stores, including Clearwater. If you come down for spring training, it gets uh, fifteen dollars. All proceeds go to Phillies charities or or the local designated charity of the minor league team. 
Um, so nice. that, that, that's something I worked out with them. It's also available on Amazon uh, and barnesandnoble.com. So it's online. It's a print-on-demand book if you want to do it uh, that way. Uh, and, again, those, those proceeds will go to charity, too. I'm accumulating them, and then I'll write a check at the end of the, end of the year. So you got a website, right? Oh uh, yeah, and I, I yeah I have a, my own uh, blog website. It's uh, philliesbaseballfan.com. Uh, you can if you tap into that, uh, there's also a link to the book. Excellent. Well, Steve, we appreciate you joining us. I will look you up when I get to Clearwater here in about a week when it's uh, when the weather gets a little bit warm. Very good. Look forward to seeing you. Okay, Steve. Thanks, thanks for joining Steve. us. Uh, great stuff. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Hey, Bill, you know I was at the Irish Rover last weekend. What a great time last week at the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA. I was actually there two nights in a row last Thursday and Friday evening to enjoy some of the festivities for the Irish Rover's fifth anniversary at their Bellevue Avenue location. They had terrific crowds both nights with specials and giveaway items. I scored a couple of cool beer glasses and a real nice turnout to meet the Eagles' Vinnie Curry on Friday. What a super nice guy Vinnie is, by the way. And always nice to say hello to our pal Christina or Chris at the Rover. I should mention the Irish Rover Station House is a family-friendly bar and restaurant with an expansive food menu, spacious dining area, and always 24 beers on tap, plus a bunch of big-screen TVs to watch the Flyers and Sixers as they continue to make their runs to the playoffs. The Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne and on the web at irishroverstationhouse.com. Very good. And you, you kept texting me that you, uh, you were having quite a time up there at the Irish Rover. And I saw that picture of you and uh, Vinny Carey. Vinny's a little larger than you. Yeah, just a bit, just a bit. But a uh, real nice guy. He made it a point to talk to everybody. So it was great to say hello to him and, of course, to say hello to Chris. And, you know, I hit the button to play some music right there, and it didn't happen. So I'm going to try it again. All right. Well, hey, Chad, speaking of good music and a lot of loud noise, the Sixers were on a big winning streak that looked like it wasn't going to end, and now all of a sudden they've lost a couple in a row. 36-year-old Dwayne Wade looked like his old self last night and carried the heat right over our Sixers. Yeah, boy, did he ever. Again, the Sixers should have won, but, you know, too many turnovers, and then J.J. Redick missing an open three. He only needed a two, but he missed a wide-open three at the buzzer. He's got to make that. He's going to make it, I'd say, 70% of the time when he's you know that wide open, but he didn't get it done on this occasion, and as a result, the Sixers have lost a couple in a row, as you noted. Yeah, and uh, what about – I want to ask you a couple questions about those Sixers because you're watching them very closely – what about that Robert Covington? He is struggling. Yeah, he's struggling big time. Uh, you know, uh, every once in a while he looks like he's going to break out of it, but he's just not hitting his shots. And Reddick's been up and down, too, as far as that goes. But, yeah, Covington's been slumping much of this season. He, they keep him in the lineup, though, because of his potential to make the shots, and he also is a very good defender. So, you know, their defense is not bad, but uh, – He's He's got to start hitting those shots. Well, we're certainly going to talk more about the Sixers as we go along and because uh, I've got a couple things stored up that I'm going to hit you with next week. But I wanted to, to find out you had a chance to sit down with veteran Sixers play-by-play man Mark Zumoff yesterday. And Mark's been with the Sixers broadcast team for 36 seasons, and uh, so he's seen it all. What's his take on the team and the process? 
Well, I'm sure Mark is enjoying this season a whole lot more than the past four. As you'll hear, Zoo thinks the Sixers can make a little noise in the playoffs if things break right. Uh, but anyway, yeah, great to finally talk with Mark. He promised me when I saw him at the Philly Sports Writers Banquet in mid-January that he would do the interview, and it took a while for it to actually finally happen, but he is a man of his word, and we did have a good chat before the Sixers game down in Miami last night, and here it is. Very happy to be joined here on Philly Press Box Radio by the voice of the 76ers the past 24 seasons, Mark Zumoff. Mark, welcome. Chet, there's no one I'd rather be talking to than you right now. (laughs) Okay. Mark, the 76ers have played very well recently. They won seven straight before losing to Washington Sunday night. They continue to solidify their status as an Eastern Conference playoff team. What's been the key to the improved play over the past month or so? Well, I think when you look at players individually, I think you're just – looking at young guys who are maturing. Joel Embiid, I think, has, not that he needs a dose of confidence, but the fact that he was in the All-Star game, I think he, since all that happened for him, has started to think of himself even more differently. Not that he, again, was ever wanting for confidence. And it's certainly showing in his play, his numbers, his effect on the defensive end. And then his counterpart, Ben Simmons, is reducing his turnovers. He's been remarkably consistent all year. And then I think overall, Chet, you have to look at the fact that they've had good health. Uh, Knock on wood, Embiid has missed 11 games. I think he's played more than a lot of people thought. Now he's playing in back-to-back games, which certainly helps. You've had the improvement of Dario Scharch. He's figured out a way to fit in after playing most of last season without Embiid and not having Simmons at all. He's figured out a way to contribute. Uh, An infusion of veterans in J.J. Redick, uh, Marco Bellinelli, who's now with the team, So when you have good health, you have cohesion. When you have cohesion, you have chemistry. When you have chemistry, uh, oftentimes it turns out to translate into wins. Yep, Cutting down on turnovers has helped as well. Hey, you mentioned Embiid and Simmons. They continue to get better and better. Uh, I don't know if it's too soon to say, but can these guys become one of the NBA's legendary duos over the next decade? Let's hope so. It seems to have the makings of it. Simmons ought to be Rookie of the Year, I think. I know that there has been some groundswell of support for Donovan Mitchell, the young player with Utah. Kyle Kuzma has had a very good season for the Lakers. Those guys will certainly make the all-NBA rookie first team. But when you consider Ben Simmons, the effect that he has on the game in so many different areas, the fact that he's breaking new ground as a 6'10 point guard, I think he is far and away the choice for rookie of the year. And Embiid has already proved himself at least to a limited extent becoming an all-star and only really his second season. And Uh, The fact that he has been able to do so much, considering his injuries, considering the fact that he took up the game at a relatively young age, uh, it's been remarkable to see the two. They're they're both very complimentary. They're slowly but surely becoming leaders. There is no reason to think that these two won't be multiple All-Stars and one of the best duos, certainly in Sixer history, when all said and done. Mark, I'm sure you're aware of the three billboards, not the movie, but the three billboards outside Cleveland commissioned by a Chester-based home remodeling company urging the Sixers to complete the process by signing LeBron James this summer. Where do you stand on the Bring LeBron to Philly campaign? Well, I have to stand in a position whereby I can't comment on that, Chet. Simply, I'm a team broadcaster, and there's nothing I can really say about that at this particular time. I know that the Sixers will certainly do whatever they can in the offseason to better the team. They'll have some maneuverability under the cap. 
we'll just have to wait and see what happens. All right. Hey, the Sixers and Flyers have both been on fire since the Eagles won that little Super Bowl title back on February 4th. Is there something to that winning is contagious thing, even across different sports? I'd like to think so. I know Joel Embiid was out at the Super Bowl with Justin Anderson. I know while some of the players may not have necessarily brought allegiances for the Eagles with them to Philadelphia by the same token, they can't help but get caught up in it. I think many of them have enjoyed watching the birds and have adopted them as their NFL team, at least for the time being. How can you not feel good? I mean, look at the Flyers. They've pretty much done the same thing. So it's a source of inspiration, certainly, if not for the Sixers and Flyers, certainly for all of us as diehard Eagles fans. I know I grew up in Philadelphia, and for me, it was just being there was a surreal experience. For sure. Hey, my radio partner, Bill, and I are both big fans of T.J. McConnell. A lot of people thought T.J. would be a casualty when the team got good again, which they now have. But he has not only survived, but he's a big part of the team's success, is he not? Absolutely. He plays 25 minutes a game as a reserve. He's already won some games for them, both as a reserve. And you might remember the one game that Ben Simmons missed earlier in the season against Orlando. He started and played extremely well. It was almost a fairy tale kind of a night that night with his parents in the stands getting a chance to watch him. Uh, T.J. McConnell is one of the best reserves in all of the NBA. Not only what he does for the team as a leader, as the point guard, but if you take a look at some statistics, uh, things like Eels, assists per game, and the amount of minutes he plays off the bench puts him among the NBA leaders, among reserves. And, and let's not forget the way he plays the game, diving on the floor, loose balls, uh, exhorting his teammates. So T.J. McConnell is very much a part of this going forward. He's a wonderful story. And I think if you're a Sixers fan, you want him to stay with the team for uh, as long as possible. So how far can the Sixers go this spring? Can they win a playoff round or two? I'd like to think so. I think that they will make the playoffs certainly playoff positioning and then subsequently how they match up with their first round opponent will go a long way toward determining that if they're lucky enough to sneak up and get four or higher and get a home court in the first round that's certainly going to help as well I think the fact that you've added now a J.J. Redick and Amir Johnson a Marco Bellinelli who won a ring with San Antonio in 2014 you will surround young players who've never played a playoff game with guys who have playoff experience, who I would like to think that will help. All that said, I'm not sure these Sixers know what they don't know, and they might go into the playoffs thinking, hey, let's just have a good time and, you know, play as hard as we can and enjoy the experience, and that might vault them to a first-round playoff win. So, you know, we'll have to see, but can they make some noise? Absolutely. They're making some noise right now. There's no reason to think they can't do so in the playoffs as well. And they're fun to watch. Hey, Mark, you've worked with six different partners over the last 24 years, from Steve Mix through your current partner, Ala Abdelnabi. You guys are great, by the way. Uh, how long does it take to get to that comfort level with a broadcast partner? That's a really good question, Chet. I think there are various theories as to how you develop chemistry. I've always been of the opinion that you develop a lot of your chemistry away from the mic. So Al and I spend a lot of time together. We become very good friends. Oftentimes we will discuss things other than basketball. But what I try to do is, and I know Ala does the same thing, is we listen carefully to each other on the air. So what that does is that, um, that allows two things. One, it enables you to develop chemistry because you sense what, Uh, The other guy likes to talk about perhaps what he'd like to shy away from and and whatever areas of expertise, favorite stories, that sort of thing. 
The other thing is uh, when you listen to each other, you begin to have a conversation, you play off of each other, and you become what I like to call attached on the air. And I, I think that's when fans begin to sense that, you know, here are two guys that seem to like each other and enjoy doing what they're doing. They like watching the game together. They play off of each other well. So, you know, I don't care what, what people say about me. The only thing I, I would like to hear from them on occasion is that we sound good together. And I appreciate your good comments, and, and I love working with Allah. Oh, yeah, you do sound fantastic together. I love listening to you guys. And speaking to broadcast excellence, Mark, a real nice honor for you back in January as the Philly Sports Writers Association recognized you as this year's Bill Campbell Award winner. I was there, and I know that meant a lot to you to get that award. It was really surreal, Chet. As you may have remembered from my remarks, I went back to my childhood when you know I read some of the great sports writers in our city's history and listened to some of the great broadcasters. And you know I remember when I was a kid how big of an affair the Philadelphia Sports Writers Dinner was. And I grew up following it every year all the time. And now that I was not only there, but being honored by that organization as a native of Philly, Again, it was truly a surreal experience, and it's something I'll never forget. A well-deserved honor, Zoo. Hey, enjoy what's ahead for the 76ers, Mark. And again, thanks very much for taking a few minutes of your time to talk with me. My pleasure, Chet. Thanks for having me. Boy, Chet, that's good stuff right there. Um, <laughs> you, you can't, not much to say coming out of that. Well, Mark Zumoff, a real professional, uh, just a great guy, certainly knows his stuff. And, you know, we talked after the interview, and uh, we both worked at the same radio station in Princeton way back in the 1980s. He was there a couple of years before me in the 80s, doing early 80s, doing Princeton basketball games. And then I was there doing Princeton basketball games in the mid-80s with a guy named David Brody. Uh, David was the play-by-play guy, and I was his color analyst. So we had a little uh, Princeton local radio station talk after the interview. Very good. 30, and as I mentioned earlier, 36 seasons, 24 of them now as play-by-play guy, 36 yep. with the Sixers. So uh, he right. covered it all. But, hey, I did want to ask you, uh, he kind of shied away from that LeBron James question. Uh, you don't get a chance to shy away. What do you think about uh, <laughs> the King coming to Philly? Well, you know, we heard what his radio partner, his TV broadcast partner, Allah abdul Nabi said yesterday that – uh, he has some very reliable sources that LeBron was in the Philly area right before the All-Star game checking out some schools on the main line for his kids. So if that is true, that's going to you know certainly add some fuel to the fire. Uh, I was kind of on the fence about the whole LeBron thing. I didn't know that I wanted it to happen, if it might happen, because, I don't know, I'm just kind of a purist. I wanted them to you know win it and get better with the guys that they have. But then you think back, you know, the Phillies won their World Series a year after bringing in Pete Rose. The Sixers in 83 brought in Moses Malone and won it. You know, why not bring in a LeBron James? If that's what it's going to take to put them over the top, why not? He's still certainly got it. He's 33, but he's having one of his best seasons ever still, so I'm sure he's got three or four years left in the tank. So if they're able to do it, what the heck, let's get it done. Well, and I'm not up on what his contract status is. Uh, I mean, would they have to trade for him, or is he a free agent to come? He's a free agent this summer. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we we got the money to court them. Well, that'd be good. Hey, I do have yep. one other final question for you on Sixers. You know, I, I don't want to jump off a bridge, but I just am not in love with Brett Brown. I understand that. Uh, he, there's some questionable decisions, but 
to his credit, he is starting to see the light, I think, and playing Rashawn Holmes a little bit more lately. They got rid of Trevor Booker, who was, you know, just so-so. They're bringing back that Ersan Ilyasova later this week. I always liked Ersan. You know, he is playing TJ, 25, 26 minutes a night, which we're both happy about. They were cutting down the turnovers, and I mentioned that to Mark. And then, of course, last night they go out and commit 23 turnovers. But that's not on Brett Brown. So I think Brett is learning. But, yeah, there's still some things that I'd like to see him do differently. But I think he's starting to get it a little more in terms of the player rotation anyway. We'll see, and uh, I hope this plays out good because they've played well, and uh, I just hope as we get down the stretch, they, like I said, we're not going to jump off a bridge after two losses after a nice nice run. But And and as Mark mentioned, Joel Embiid is playing more probably than even we thought he would, and uh, that's good. I was thinking 55 games right now. He's only missed 11, so, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, you're going to be pretty close on that one, too. Wait, Jet, last yeah. Wednesday, we talked about the Flyers being three points out of first place for the game in hand. Here we are seven days later. They've been in sole possession of first place, but now sit one point back at the Capitals due to that game in hand. Uh, newly acquired netminder Peter Morazic, who I couldn't even pronounce his name last week, he lights out. Three starts, three wins. Uh, he's only given up four goals uh, in, in those three games. Uh, he's on fire. Yeah, a 1.30 goals against average, save percentage, 94.7%. Morazic's gotten better each game. And, you know, they needed him Monday night in the game when the Flyers couldn't find the net in regulation or overtime, yet still managed to leave Montreal with two points. The Flyers are now 9-0-1 in their last 10. And, by the way, we had to squeeze in a segment to talk Flyers hockey, or our buddy Carl Henderson at Carl's Cards was going to run us into the boards or hit us with a high stick. (laughs) Well, yeah, Carl likes the Flyers, and, uh, and you know what? They're they're fun to watch. And I tell you, uh, that Montreal game the other night, the three-on-three overtime was phenomenal. Uh, the, yeah, the players felt like the a playoff ice, game. And yeah, both both that's what I was going to say. Both goaltenders were were electric. It was just a playoff type uh, game, and Morasic certainly won that one for him. Yeah, the Flyers winning in a shootout. You don't see that all the time, but it was great. And who would have thunk that the Flyers just may have a goaltender controversy come late March or early April when both Elliott and uh, the other dude, Michael Neuvert, are back in action? Who would have thought that they would have three goaltenders all vying for time and all playing pretty well? At least the other guys were doing okay right before the injuries. Yeah, and, and they brought the young kid in, and he won both his games too. So uh, <laughs> Yeah. You know, I think yeah. – I think what was it? Uh, it was the first time in Flyers history that four goaltenders won a game in the same month. Yes, I heard that, and quite a month it was. Yeah, so um, here we are. We're, we're playing for first place, and not only does it look like we, unless we collapse, we're not only in great shape for the playoffs, uh, but uh, possibly a chance for a number one, maybe number two seed. Yeah, and that would be ideal. You don't want to be uh, a wild card team, certainly. And with the 2-3 matchup in your division, that's a little hairier. So you want to be number one in your division. That way you would play the one of the wild card teams. In, in their case, it would be the higher of the two wild card teams. I had to, I had to go and research exactly how they do the NHL playoffs because they changed it like three years ago, and I still have a tough time remembering. But, but uh, yeah, if you win your division – you would play one of the two wild card teams, no matter which division it is. Uh, and the Flyers are going to have less points than the other 
the Atlantic Division winner. So uh, the Flyers will play the higher of the two wildcard teams if they finish first in the Metro Division. Yeah, and I'll tell you, a game that I'm looking forward to before we talk again next week is uh, they play Tampa in Tampa on Sunday. And, yeah. you know, I was at that game over Christmas, and uh, the Flyers went yeah. down there, and Tampa is a very good team. And the Flyers took it to them, whipped them, uh, but then Tampa came up to here not long after and whipped the Flyers. They are that's that should be a real battle uh, come next Sunday. Yep, Flyers have those two games down there. I guess they have Tampa and the Panthers as well. Yep, they usually do. But uh, Tampa's the Tampa's good. Tampa's a good team. And, oh yeah, uh, Flyers need to go down there and take it to them. So we'll see. But uh, boy, and, and you know what? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hang up on the Flyers without talking about that Claude Giroux. Because uh, you know I've always liked him anyway, and he is certainly having an MVP type season. And can you believe that he just celebrated his tenth anniversary as a Flyer? I did not realize he's been here ten years already. Boy, that time fly time yep. just flies by, doesn't it? Yep, yep. What's he twenty eight? Get ready to be twenty nine, I think. Something like that. Yeah, he came up, I guess, as an eighteen or nineteen year old, and uh, ten years already, and he is having an amazing season. I never would have expected it. Yep, doing it without that Wayne Simmons, too, right now. So it's uh, a yes. lot, lot of fun ahead of us, I think. Simmons is going to be right. out another seven to ten days. You ready for random Q2, Billy? Yeah, I think it's time that uh, I get on the hot seat. Yep, back on the hot seat, Bill. It is week two of season two of Random Q2. This is the only time I get to say it like that. Um, to refresh your memory, Random Q2 is a 10-week fun fest in which I'm asking Bill two little questions each week. The first question, about a sports topic, something timely usually. The second question, one of ten random questions that have already been written down a week or two ago. Um, Bill will pick a number from one to ten each week for that one. The whole thing, two minutes, so quick and easy. You ready? Here we go, Bill. Number one, we got word the other day that Cowboys owner Jerry Jones will be hit with some sort of fine by NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. Not technically a fine, but more so reimbursement for legal costs that the league had to fork out while dealing with Jones and the Ezekiel Elliott case. The question is, is that fair to hit him with this, uh, you know, payment due situation? And how badly do you feel for Jerry Jones? (laughs) Well, answer the second part first. I don't feel one bit bad for him. Ever, uh, and, and when I saw that he was crying in his pillow when the Eagles were winning the Super Bowl, I liked that even more. But so I don't feel sorry for him. And as far as the fine, uh, it's in it's in the bylaws from what I've read of the uh, of the ownership of the league. So they know if they um, it, initiate any kind of legal action against the owners, they have to pay, and that that's the rule. So uh, yeah. I find it interesting that the one that's going to let me define is the guy he's trying to fire. That kind of makes it <laughs> yeah. interesting. But, uh, that's a little but, strange. Yeah, a little strange. It is. It I knew is you'd feel that way. Crazy the way it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy the way it's written. But, you know, those are the rules, and he knew it when he went after him. And uh, certainly I do not feel sorry for him, ever. All righty. For your second question this week, Bill, I need you to pick a number. You chose number one last week. So any number two to ten. Well, here's what I'm going to do. In honor of punter Donnie Jones, who announced his retirement from the Eagles yesterday, I am going with number eight. Number eight. All right, number eight. Give me an actor whom you've seen and enjoyed in at least ten movies. An actor. Um, you don't have to. Well, no, not, never mind. 
I'll, I'll go with two. I'll go with two because uh, yeah, obviously one for being a Philly guy is Sylvester Stallone, which I certainly have enjoyed all of his Rocky and Rambo's and all that kind of stuff. And uh, but I've also enjoyed most of the Bruce Willis stuff that he does too, as, as the action stuff. And I, I've I've seen a lot of The Rock, uh, Dwayne Johnson, more current stuff, but I probably haven't seen ten of them. So I'll go with uh, Sylvester Stallone and Bruce Willis come right to the top of my head. For extra credit, name every Bruce Willis movie. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Hey, there's <laughs> a new Bruce Willis movie coming out this weekend. It's a remake of Death Wish, the old Charles Bronson film. I hope it's good because I want to see that. Oh, I'll tell you what. I, you know, I always really like Charles Bronson, and I like those Death Wish movies. I'm not sure. As much as I like Bruce Willis, I'm not sure he can – even be there. Charles Bronson was so good in those movies. Yeah, well, we'll see. I'll see what the reviews have to say, and uh, as long as they're decent, I'm going to go check it out. Well, I'll read the Chesco review, then I'll decide if I'm going. There you go. All right. Good stuff, Chad. I'm looking forward to next week. I think I, uh, two, I'm two for two. I think I'm doing pretty good on these this time <laughs> okay. around. Okay. All right. Hey, it looks like the first domino the Eagles has fallen, besides the coaching staff, as we just said, with the retirement of punter Donnie Jones. You know, players are going to come and go. Trey Burton indicates he's going to test the free agent market, as he probably should. Lots of changes. What do you think? Well, first, Donnie, Donnie Jones will be missed, an old pro and a good, solid punter. Enjoy retirement, Donnie. Secondly, I have to sort of correct you about Burton hours after that NJ.com report surfaced last Friday about Trey Burton dismissing the Eagles offer. He tweeted, LOL. I don't know where your sources are, bud. haven't spoken to anyone about anything. That was from Trey Burton. Now that doesn't mean he will be back as an Eagle, but he says he hasn't talked with the birds as yet about maybe coming back. Frankly though, it'll be an upset if he is back because he's probably going to be costly. Among the possible landing spots for Burton, I see, are those New England Patriots. Wouldn't that be interesting? Mm. Well, you know, I think the big thing with Burton, if they want to keep him, uh, I, I almost feel certain that Brent Selleck is going to retire, or he should. He's on top. Uh, he's had a good career, and, you know, it's probably time for him to move on. So you make it take some, some Selleck money. Give it to Burton. Keep that that position strong with Ertz and and Burton. That, that to me, that's a that's a clean fix for the birds. Yeah, I, I would love to see them do that. I'd love to see Burton come back. I want to see Nigel Bradham come back. Also, he's going to be a big loss if they let him go. But a lot of decisions, and it was good to see Howie and uh, Doug Peterson talking about things today. A little news conference, some interviews, and they both admitted they have watched the Super Bowl a few times since it happened. And uh, Doug made a joke about, you know, he's still wondering every time he sees it, hey, did we win? Because he's watching and thinking, my God, we won the Super Bowl. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> well, hey, did you um, – I, I happened to post an article on our website, phillypressboxradio.com today, about that Howie Roseman. And uh, it was it was, uh, it was written by um, – let me think of his name right quick. Uh, but the – that Howie Roseman's year was uh, warranted uh, Mike Mayock, that Howie Roseman's year belongs in the general manager's hall of fame. What, what, what do you think about that? Oh, I absolutely agree. Now, uh, some of our uh, past guests like Joe Valley and Bill Wernell and even Ruben Frank, I've heard on TV to an extent kind of dismiss uh, some of what Howie has done and say, you know, Joe Douglas should get 
as much credit because he's more the player guy. Howie's more the financial guy. But, hey, Howie's the guy saying yes or no, he's in charge. Whoever made the final decision, Howie had an amazing year. I mean, everything he's done over the last two years has pretty much worked out just the way you'd expect. So, yeah, absolutely a a Hall of Fame GM year for Howie Roseman, no doubt about it. Yeah, and I I think uh, to be fair to Roseman, uh, everybody crushed him when when it went bad. And now they don't want to give him any credit when it went good. I, I'm not thinking right. that's really the way to go. So, yeah, hats off to Howie. I think he did a great job. One other guy I want to mention to you that I think is really going to be interesting in this offseason, and that's that Jason Peters. He's, you know, he's coming off another major injury. He's got big, big money, big, big cap hit. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with him. He's the one guy I'm really watching the most, uh, him and Bradham, because they need Bradham. Yeah, well, they do want Peters back. I don't think they're just, you know, saying it. I think they really do think Peters can come back. He apparently does want to come back. That being said, you know, Big V certainly played well in his absence, especially uh, the last couple of games of the regular season and into the playoffs and Super Bowl. So if Peters doesn't come back, it's not the end of the world. But, I mean, you would love to have Peters back. But, I mean, the last three years I kept saying this is probably the last year for Peters or they're going to let him go. And then he played the first part of the season and played great. So if he's healthy and they can afford him, yeah, bring him back. Yeah, I I was actually surprised they brought him back this year because Big V played well when he replaced Lane Johnson. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, it looked like he, he was going to be an easy fit to slide over to the other side. But they went with Peters, and Peters was probably playing better this year than he did last year before he got hurt so yeah it's it's interesting but you know the cap space cap money is going to be critical indeed keep an eye on it all right well hey chet you uh continue to roll with these great guests the first time mark zoom off was fantastic steve potter tonight was fantastic so surprise me who's coming to philly press box radio another first time <laughs> We do have a first-timer and a returnee. we got two guests next week. And, uh, boy, the, the one guy I'm going to tell you about is something of a Philly legend. He can talk about all sports, and we'll definitely talk some college hoops with him as March Madness is upon us. He worked for the Philly Daily News for many, many years, and he's going to talk with us next week about all sorts of Philly sports topics. Bob Vitrone Jr., a.k.a. Boop, in addition We will be joined by a guy from the Phillies organization who has that awesome title, Director of Fun and Games, Mr. John Brazer, who, by the way, wrote the foreword to the Steve Potter book. How about that? A couple of fun-loving guys, Boop and John Brazer, they will have plenty to say. And, yes, Bill, we will also have week three of Random Q2. Oh, man, I'm looking forward to them, uh, both Steve – Bob Patron, I used to know his dad 100 years ago when I was just a kid. So, uh, of course, yeah. we're Facebook friends and all that. Looking forward to, to talking to him as well. And uh, John, we know, is always good. So, looking forward to that also. Got to be all good. Right, well, hey, Don't forget the Philly show is this weekend at Valley Forge Casino for the memorabilia guys out there. And as of this afternoon, there were 26 Eagles scheduled to appear, along with a bunch of former Eagles, Penn State linebackers, Former Notre Dame players are going to be there. It's going to be a huge show. And also, Carl's Cards, you mentioned uh, Carl Henderson. Carl's Cards Collectibles will have Merle Reese and Mike Quick in the store on Saturday. They're certainly great additions for any Eagles collector. 
Uh, you going to try to make any of those events? Well, I know I won't get to the Philly show. Uh, by the way, I know our buddy Steve Switkowitz will be there. He's representing Fred Barnett, and Freddie Barnett's going to be there, I think, on Sunday. So Swit and Fred will be there. I just may be able to get over in, uh, into Havertown to say hello to Merrill and Mike on Saturday and to say hello to Carl, of course, especially because I see that Carl has some real nice new Super Bowl collectibles in his store. I would like to get an up-close look at some of those. Yeah, he does. Uh, and uh... That's going to be a great turnout for that. And if I can pull it off, as you know, I've been tied up with a bunch of things up here. I'm going to try to uh, go to that Philly show on Saturday, at least for a little while, see my buddy Chip Brady at Match Sports will be up there and uh, try to see those guys. So if anybody's around, look up uh, Chip Brady's booth. Come stop and see me. Say hello. Look forward to talking to anybody that can come by. Yes, so, indeed. Just go. Do we have a parting shot for you tonight, sir? Of course, of course. Do you have one, by the way? I do not. I knew you had a long one. (laughs) Here we go. It took 52 years, but the Eagles finally won that Super Bowl we had all longed for. And while there are no guarantees that a league championship is coming this season or next, both the 76ers and hotter-than-hell Flyers certainly seem to be heading in the right direction. The Phillies, well, that's more of a too-soon-to-say-for-sure situation. Assuming good health, the Phillies could have a potent lineup this year, a lineup that should produce around five runs per game on average. Last year's club averaged 4.26 runs a game en route to a 66-win season. The question is whether the pitching will improve. Opponents last year scored an average 4.83 runs per game or more than a half run better than the Phillies. While out and about last week, I ran into an old friend who insists the Phillies are headed for a 100 loss season, maybe worse. His main reasoning, Gabe Kapler, a single-A manager, my old pal calls him, may well be fired before September, he added. All right, look, Kapler is a different kind of manager for sure. Lots of positivity, lots of energy and enthusiasm, music during workouts, analytics, lineup experimentation. A lot of that probably wouldn't go over very well with a team made up of grizzled veterans, but this is a young ball club with a significant chunk of them preparing for their first full season in the majors. And so far, at least, they all seem to be buying in. A lot of fans didn't like the Charlie Manuel hiring after the 2004 season. Well, he ended up being the skipper for the greatest ever era of Phillies baseball, including that 2008 World Series title. When Manuel was dismissed in 2013, people were upset about that maybe, but most people were okay with his replacement, Ryan Sandberg. Rhino ended up being pretty awful and quit less than two years later. Sometimes you just don't know. For reference, Doug Peterson. Kapler may be a bust. He may be terrific. One thing we can say with a degree of certainty, this will be a different Philly season. Let's see what happens and hope for the best. Absolutely. High hopes, that's for sure. I'm, I'm kind of excited about it. I, I like all, this, all these kids, and, you know, I'm not sure we have enough pitching. So we'll, and we'll get to our predictions in a couple of weeks. But uh, I, I'm kind of excited to see some of these young guys play. Me as well. Me as well. Hey, I have one final question for you, Bill. I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, the, Acad- it the Academy Bell? Awards. The Academy Awards are this Sunday night. How much of the Oscars will you watch? The, the, the what? <laughs> that, that's, my, that's my answer. Uh, that's, that's where they uh, honor the movies, the best movies of the past year, you know? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I Ted, in, my world, in, there, in my world, there are two. Uh, I, I can't make one any better than the other, and it's politicians and it's Hollywood. Oh, okay, my. So <laughs> there you go. We'll leave that right there. And with that, 
We've reached yes. the top of our hour, so let's thank our special guest, Steve Potter, Mark Zumoff, Irish Rover Station House, and Bob Solvins Like Your Age dot com for their continuing support of the show. For Jim Chesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, March the 7th at 7 p.m. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, our Facebook page, or on the Internet at www.blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Mixcloud. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans, and Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl 52 champion. to say thank you on behalf of the Goobin Hotels. I hope we pass the audition. <laughs>